Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. So glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. He's a good, good father. When I hear those words, it just make me just want to praise him. Just make me want to adore him. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, when you start thinking about how good he's been to us, do you know it's, it, it makes a difference when you vocalize something? It's one thing to think it, think it. it's another thing to vocalize it. And uh, you will read and see in the scripture, there's a scripture, I think it's Acts chapter 4, when the Bible says about the uh, apostles, they had prayed so hard that the place was shaken. And I'm sure when they were praying, they weren't praying uh, quietly. They weren't praying under their voice. They were praying for their voices to uh, be loud. And so... I just think that as we've been talking about uh, our last two church services about praising God aloud, I I think it's something that we ought to endeavor to incorporate in our walk with Christ, not to just think it, not to just, you know, whisper it, but to be brash and bold and loud about who he is, what he has done, and just saying, God, I thank you. Hallelujah. I can't help but to praise him. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, when I think about who he is, when I think about what he has done, Jesus, we praise your name tonight, O God, for there is none like you. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one which is, which was, and which is to come. The only wise God, the only true and living God. Heaven is your hall, is your, is your throne and earth is your footstool. Lord, we're grateful and we're thankful for all you have done, all you're doing. And oh God, we're so grateful that you allow us one more time to come together to worship you in the beauty of holiness, to be able, Lord God, to lift our voice and lift our heart and give you the praise and adore you, O great God, for there is none like you. It is you who sustains us. It is you, Lord God, who keeps us. It is you, Lord God, who gives us health and strength, O God. And oh, my God, how we worship you. And oh, my God, how we love you. And oh, Oh my God, how we adore you. Jesus, you're so wonderful. Jesus, you're magnificent. Jesus, you're glorious. Jesus, there is none like you. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And oh Lord, we lift our hands, we lift our hearts to love you, to adore you, to praise you, that you may inhabit us, that you may consume us, that you may show forth your glory. 
in us and through us. Oh, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh, great is your faithfulness, oh, great God. Oh, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Great is your faithfulness, Lord God. Great is your faithfulness, oh, Lord God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness, oh, God. Oh, there is none like you. I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in our mouths. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Oh, Lord, we love you. We love you. We thank you tonight. You're so gracious. You're so wonderful. You're so kind. And you're the almighty God. Besides you, there is no Savior. Besides you, Lord God, there is none other, Lord God, who can do what you do, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's who you are, Lord God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am. It's who you are, Lord God. It's who you are, Lord God. And we thank you tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Lord, as we praise you, we desire to be enveloped by your presence. We desire, Lord God, to be consumed by your power. We desire, Almighty God, to be overshadowed by your presence. We desire to have sweet communion with you, Lord God. We desire to have fellowship with you, O God. We desire to know you more intimately, O God. We desire you this sincere word of God into our heart, into our soul. Oh, we desire to be equipped, Lord, that you may use us as your conduit, that you may use us as your instruments, your oracles. Oh, God, we desire you tonight. We desire your will, Lord God. We desire your presence, Lord God. We desire your healing, Lord God. We desire your deliverance, Lord God. We desire your strength, oh God. We desire, oh my God, whatever it is that we need, let it be done. Let it be so tonight, Lord God. We desire change, divine change, spiritual change. We desire it, Lord God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Truly, you are God all by yourself. And we come to worship you and adore you and love you and magnify your name, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let your will be done. Your kingdom come. Oh, God, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, let it be done, Lord God. Break into this Bible study tonight, Lord God, and set all things in order according to your purpose and your will, Lord God. Do whatever you want. 
heart, Lord God. Allow me to be led of your spirit, Lord God. Oh, let your spirit lead me and guide me, Lord God. Let your spirit have preeminence, Lord God. Let your spirit empower, Lord God. Anoint our ears to hear like we've never heard, Lord God. Our minds to be clear that we may understand like we've never understood. And I pray that the Holy Ghost power will move us to action. Faith will move us to action, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All the glory belongs to you. All the glory belongs to you. All the glory belongs to you, Lord God. Oh, there is none like you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Clap your hands unto him and give him praise. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. You may be seated. Hallelujah. A lot is going on. A lot is going on. And the best thing I can tell you when a lot is going on is to pray a lot. When a lot is going on, pray a lot. We have a tendency when a lot is going on, we start to try to figure out what's going on. It's our human nature. When a lot's going on, we try to figure out what's going on. But I'm here to tell you tonight, a lot's going on, and you need to pray about a lot now. <laughs> don't, don't, don't try to figure it out, because you don't have the answers. The one who you pray to has all the answers. So just pray to him. Don't, don't you try to figure it out. Don't you allow yourself uh, to be influenced by what's going on. You let Jesus influence your thoughts and your actions. Amen. We've got a lot to pray about, and before we leave here tonight, we'll pray again. Um, I didn't want to say anything when I heard Sunday because I wanted to make sure the right people knew before we said anything. And so um, one of our dear sisters, uh, Sister Phyllis Pegler, passed away the other day, and um, that one caught us by surprise. I mean, she always seemed pretty good and healthy to us, and before you know it, uh, she took sick, and... Um, she is no longer here in the earth with us. And so we need to pray for her husband. She's got a nice husband. He's a nice man. <laughs> Brother Pegler's a nice man, quiet man. Uh, you, 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 you don't see him even when you see him. He's just that kind of guy. And so pray his strength because she lost her son not too long ago. She lost her brother not too long ago. And now uh, she's gone. And so Brother Pegler is the one that's left here to have to mourn all of what's going on. So keep um, Isaiah Pegler in your prayers and the rest of the Pegler family. Amen. Also, um, for those of you that don't know, um, Brother and Sister Wood, um, Sister Wood's mother and, 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 and Brother Wood's mother-in-law uh, passed away a few days ago. Um, she was in North Carolina, and the funeral will be in North Carolina this Sunday. And so keep the Wood family in your prayers. Um, we want to ask God to just keep them. We want to ask God to watch over them and to strengthen them. So it's very important to keep them in your prayer. Amen. Somebody's phone or something is going off, right? 
Hallelujah. So we want to make sure you keep them in your prayer. Um, there's, um, what, am, what else am I forgetting? There's a few more um, prayer requests that a um, few more people we need to pray about. Okay. Um, hold on. What's her name? Edith. Edith Korea. Okay. So Edith Korea, we need to pray for her. That's um, um, Joe's mom, brother Joe, his mom. So her name is Edith. Let's keep her in your prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, some recording is going on. Something is being recorded and being played back. Amen. It's the times that we are in, right? All kind of things is going on. <laughs> you gotta see where all the recordings are, and we're trying our best to. Um, do what we have to do. All right. We have been discussing our um, series on a blessed and privileged people. A blessed and privileged people in the past two weeks. We have talked about that. This is our third week, so this is our third lesson uh, regarding a blessed and privileged people. I pray to God that... Um, you will hear what I'm saying tonight and allow the word of God to challenge you and allow you to become a doer of the word of God. As much as you are a hearer, you must. Uh, one of the things we have to think about, I want you to think about that whenever I'm sharing anything with you in the word of God and just in my speaking, um, I'm, I'm never telling you all that I know. I'm never telling you all that I know. Um, and why am I saying that? I'm saying that to just say, but if I'm saying it, it's very important. It, it's very important if I'm saying it because I know more than what I'm telling you. And sometimes, you know, uh, we are uh, creatures of sort that uh, we only start listening real good and, 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 and plan to do something about what we're hearing when it begins to sound serious. Or we begin to feel like, you know what, uh, uh, that, that sounds like that, 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 that's something that we better start doing. And how do you determine what you need to start doing now or later? Uh, that, 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 I would say the word of God, you should start doing now when you hear it. Amen. If, if, if we have to have enough confidence in God that if uh, he has established our meeting dates and times, God is, a, he's the one that established our meeting days and time. And if he establishes that, it means that he has to give any one of us that he allowed to stand before you what you need, because he's not going to call you to a meeting and not give you what you need. You don't have to worry too much about the man or the woman that stands behind it. Uh, we can be foolish and still tell you what God wants. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we could we could not be in a good place with God and still tell you what God wants, because I've read where God made a a a a a, a uh, I guess you can call him a, 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 a dude that's not a Christian uh, prophesy godly things. So so when you think about that and when you think about him using a donkey to speak, when you think about that, then you, that those are just clues of saying if God called a meeting, God is going to do something. And I need to pay attention and listen and begin to become a doer of what God is saying because he's not going to call the meeting just to waste our time nor his time. 
So let's get into the word of God. We're going to go to uh, Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. We'll read verses 1 through 3. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Amen. In verse 1, the word of God says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you uh, that that way of speaking by the apostle Paul is, is, is interesting because when I used to read where it says, I therefore prisoner of the Lord, I, I kind of took it my way of saying, yeah, I'd rather be God's prisoner than being somebody else's free man. It's just me. I'm just telling you how my mind worked as I started reading that. And so when I thought about God's prisoner, I didn't think about myself being literally locked up in jail. I just thought about just being encased by God, just surrounded by God. The Apostle Paul might have meant that a little bit, but he was literally in jail when he wrote this. So when he said he was a prisoner, he was in jail because of the gospel. Uh huh. So I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, he says, I beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so tonight, as we continue in our series, Blessed and Privileged People, we're going to focus tonight on this topic, our walk in Christ. Our walk in Christ. There is a divine call for each and every one of us. Rayon, you have a divine call from God. Sammy, you have a divine call from God. Jordan, you have a divine call from God. Peyton, you have a divine call from God. Jordan, Monroe, you have a divine call from God. Matthew, you have a divine call from God. I'm telling you all as young people, because sometimes you think that I'm talking to just the, the old heads and not you all. Well, I'm talking to you all too. Uh-huh. You all have a divine call in God. It means that you for a purpose. And because it's coming from God, it's divine. But God has called you for a purpose. And you might say, I didn't hear his voice, Pastor. And I'm telling you, whether or not you hear his voice now or later, I'm telling you, you have a divine call by God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. For each and every one of us, we have a divine call by God. We are not left, listen to this, we are not left to drift through life aimlessly. And so we ought to challenge ourselves here tonight to say, am I drifting or am I living life on purpose? Am I drifting or am I living life on purpose? Uh-huh. Nor are we permitted to carve out 
our own careers ourselves. Now that one will be a challenge for all of us. What do you mean, preacher? I'll say it again. We're not left to drift through life aimlessly. And if that's true, if you're supposed to be living life on purpose, not permitted to carve out careers for ourselves. Divine purposes are before us, and the Word of God bids us to follow our vocation, which is in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. This is something that we need to understand. God's divine purpose for us will fulfill his purpose and will glorify him. However, it will also fulfill our spiritual and financial need. Let me go back and say that because you missed it. God's divine purpose for us will fulfill God's purpose and it will glorify God. However, it will also fulfill our spirituality and financial need. God don't have to come up with a whole lot of different plans. The one plan he has for your life will work everything right in your life. So you might say, well, how does that work, preacher? If God called you to be an evangelist, that work of the evangelist is, is going gonna, is gonna to honor God and is going to bless you financially and it's going to edify you spiritually. That one call for your life. And we have a hard time, you know, handling that because we think that God, church, and our jobs are separate. Uh-huh. We treat them as separate. When you treat your job and your walk with Christ separate, you are not trusting God in his call for your life. Because if he is supposed to be who he is, the Almighty all knows God, he is not going to have a plan for your life for you to serve out how he's going to provide for you. This is why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the call of God upon your life, if you will obey it and follow it, it will People like to say, the devil don't like us being church. So, whatever God has worked out in your life, it will fulfill the purposes of your life. So, you just have to trust him. You don't have to worry about, well, if I keep going to church and I don't have time to do the other stuff, then what's going to happen to me? I need to get an education, don't I? I need to work, don't I? 
God's purpose incorporates all of those things. So while you want to make it separate, God is saying to us, it's not separate. Just follow after me and obey me and you will see all of it unfold to give me glory, to fulfill my purpose, uh, for you to be edified spiritually and for you to have financial need supplied. That's the kind of God we serve. He has taken everything into account. You know. It's interesting how when a, a, a wife is pregnant and ready to give birth to a child, how, you know, her and her husband know all the things that they need to do to prepare for the birth of that baby. <laughs> you, with your limited uh, uh, understanding, you and I, with, with, with what little we know, about people and how to take care of people. Whatever we know, God knows so much more. And you trust yourself to prepare for an unborn child to come into this world. How much more you think God is prepared for your life? <laughs> uh -huh. So you don't have to worry about anything. Just trust the walk you have in Christ. Without a proper relationship with Jesus Christ, making him Lord of our lives, the riches, the blessings we have received will not be used to glorify him. God has blessed many of us, and we don't utilize it to glorify God. We use it to edify ourselves. Instead, the blessings and, and, and all that God has bestowed upon us, we abuse them when we are not submitted to God and making him Lord of our lives because we allow our lust to get the best of us. Riches gained in Christ cannot profit believers unless they accept the responsibility to conduct themselves in a manner that brings glory to God. God can anoint us to do mighty things through him, but if we do not learn to give all the glory to him, those blessings could become a curse. A lot of times we have to understand this. A lot of times it's our immaturity, just like in the natural, it's our immaturity that prevents God from blessing us. Do you do it in the natural? If you have raised children, do you do it in the natural? In your mind, you say, they're not ready for this yet. You, as you are parenting your children, they're just not ready for this yet. So let me not introduce this to them yet. Let me not do this in their life yet because they're not ready. Well, God does that to us too. I want to do this in your life. I want to do this in your life. As a matter of fact, I'm ready to do those things in your life, but you're not ready. So the question is, are you getting ready so he can do that? Is there, is there a whole lot of blessings stored up for, for some of us and we can't get it yet because we just won't grow up? 
and we're struggling and suffering and we're blaming God in some respects because we're saying, I'm praying, why don't he hear me? And I'm telling you tonight, it may be because you're immature and you need to grow up and he can't just bestow all these blessings upon you because it will ruin you. At my at the barbershop today, me and Jazz talking. <laughs> we were talking about the kids. Um, Jazz told my oldest son to tell my dad um, about something about the time. So Jazz finally got a chance to talk to my dad and said, did Nasir tell you? <laughs> my dad said, just tell Wayne next time. Don't tell Nasir that stuff. Because our, our young people, man, I don't know where their mind is. They got their mind on so many things. and so many. Here go Jazz and I just talking today. We're just trying to figure out what's going on with the young people. They just can't focus. They can't remember anything. And for some reason, they struggle with being committed and, 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 and just, you know, get things done. Always some excuse, ready to tell you it's just not the way it used to be. But at the same time, you're still not seeing any results. Okay, it's not the way it, 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 it used to be when you were growing up, so just chill. Okay, I'm chilling. Show me what you're doing, though. They like to tell us chill. It's just not the same. Dad, relax. Okay, I am. Now show me what it is now. And they're still not showing me what it is. So I don't know. That was, that was my, you know, we always have conversation in barbershop. Did you, did you, I told you this before. That the barbershop is, is um, they say it's the black people's country club. They, they can't afford country club, real country club, so the barbershop is their country club. You never heard that before? Oh, man. You all right there, Brother Sam? Okay. Okay. All right. Got to make sure he's okay. These cowboys ain't doing okay. After experience sin and receiving salvation every christian is called into this vocation which is to serve the lord faithfully can you just ask yourself this right now and be honest with yourself what are you doing right now in service to the lord you don't have to tell me you don't have to get too deep but just ask yourself what are you doing in service to the Lord. And let me take it a step further. And if you have identified that, is that enough? If you have identified that you are doing something in service to the Lord, now the next question is, is that enough? And my last question, then what you're going to do about it? As a Christian, a Christian's behavior affects the honor of God in the eyes of the world. A Christian's behavior affects the honor of God in the eyes of the world. I think a lot of us have dodged that responsibility. I got to be honest. I think we don't want that responsibility. There's a lot of different things why we don't follow Christ. But I know one of them is you don't want to be responsible to live out Christ in front of people. Some of it is you're fearful because you're worried about messing up. 
shouldn't worry about that because none of us are perfect. You know, when you make a mistake, you just get it right and keep going. But a lot of us don't want the responsibility. But if we're going to make heaven our home, we're going to have to assume, take on that responsibility of modeling Christ before the world. We don't have a choice. Right? Why, Sammy? Why would a young man say, I want, I, I want to go to church like little Sammy go to church because look at him. Why, Joe? Why would they say when, when, when they see you at, at, at Eastern, why would they want to go to church when they see you or would they not want to go to church when they see you? That's a responsibility that we carry when we're saved. So we say ownership of that and do our very best that when people see us, they're going to say, oh, yeah, I want to go to church. Whatever they're doing, that's what I want to do. A lot of it, if you want to be honest, a lot of modeling Christ in front of people. I'll give you a little bit of help. Just start with one thing. The joy of the Lord. You don't have to model your material stuff. You don't have to model all of the other things that God will bless and let you, you know, obtain. Just model the joy of the Lord. So when people see you, they just know why you just seem like you're just okay. Why you just seem like nothing bothers you. Why you just seem like everything is great with you. Why is it that you always seem that way? That alone will have significant impact as you live this life. Just, just the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord says, no matter what I'm dealing with, no matter how hard things are, no matter the struggle, the challenge, no matter what I'm up against, I'm going to be all right. And so I'm going to model that attitude that I am all right. The world is falling apart, and you just got a smile and a good attitude, and you just loving people, and they want to know what's going on with you. The joy of the Lord. You might think you're putting on, but I'm going to show you something different. You're not putting on. You're not acting. You're not, you're not trying to be something that you're not doing is showing your appreciation for how good God is to you. So when you decide that I, I, I'm not like, I'm not like Wayne, he just had that bubbly personality. Okay. I, I hear you. I'm not like so-and-so because, you know, that's just how they are. So I just got to be me. I hear you. How being you honors God. How being you give glory to God? How being you make people say, who is your God? So anyhow you want to model it, it still comes back to, have you considered how 
good God has been to you, and if so, how so somebody says, man, oh man, I, I, I like that. So I'm not telling you to be like me. I'm just telling you, be you, but be you and be grateful about what God is doing and what God has done in your life. So when people want to ask you, why are you like that? Because God has been good to me. Why are you like that? Because God has blessed me. Why are you like that? Because one day heaven will be my home. That's why I'm like that. Nobody make me like that. I can just think of the goodness of Jesus. I can just think of all that he's done and what he will continue to do. And that alone makes me say, oh, my God, I am so grateful. I'm thankful. And it makes me open up my mouth and just shout, glory be to God. We are to walk worthy of the calling we have received to get across tonight that, that we are a blessed and privileged people and we ought to walk worthy of the calling that we've received. This is an honorable calling. This is a blessed calling. And so we need to walk and carry ourselves like really it's an honorary, it's an honorable calling. Yes, that's how we got to carry ourselves. Hey, I'm not going around like I'm just just barely making it. Nobody gonna look at my life and blame my Jesus. If anything, they gonna want it. They gonna believe. You gotta live your life to make some people say, "I know some Christians," and then it's you. Why you seem different from them? Why you seem different than them? Because I know them, but you just seem different. We want people. To know that there's one God. We want people to know the truth that the only way to salvation is you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Which means you must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking another tongue. We want people to know that. And maybe sometimes we can't explain that. But I tell you what. You live with the joy of the Lord projecting from your life. You live like you are. Black Christ is living in you and they're going to say what is the difference why you're living like that what is the difference why you act like that and that will give you an opportunity to tell them the difference uh huh yeah we got to live it out that they that when they ask what's the difference you will be ready to tell them but they don't see any difference so they be like well y'all the one losing out we got the world thing and we losing out. How we living? Right? We've got the world thing and we losing out. Yeah. I was at the club jamming last night. What were you doing? Bored. Sitting in the house doing nothing, huh? Because that's what Christians do. They just bored, sitting around doing nothing. That's what they thinking. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And then when you come around, you know, they, they still doing this. Uh. Music was pumping last night, girl. Music, I was, I was killing it. Music was pumping. And you coming around like, yeah. 
And because you didn't praise God in church, you can you can hit them back off and say, "Girl, we had a Holy Ghost move in church." I, I mean, I couldn't stop talking in tongues, girl. My ponytail came out. I had such a good time. So I hear you about the church, about the club. But here's what was going on in the church service. You see what I'm saying? This is what I'm trying to get you to understand. That our walk in Christ is an honorable one. It's a blessed one. And we're making people that don't know Christ or who are backslidden. We're making them think they're doing great and their life is great. We better have a good time when we come together and stop worrying about all the stuff that we can't control knowing that our God got this all under control. God has it all in control. Remember that old song? God has it all in control. Because if he can stop the raging seas, has it Oh! <laughs> If we know that, what are we worried about? I was talking to Sister Wood the other day, and I said to her, I said, man, we have to work at this. Here's what we got to work at. That it, it really dies living in this world. We better become comfortable with that. I don't care what your age is. We need to become comfortable with that. Because as long as we make that worry us, we're going to allow our flesh to control us. But when you come to grips that it's better off being with Christ, dying, leaving this world, being with Christ than to be in this world, when you come to grips and truly believe that, then your flesh has no control over you and you just live a great life in not worry about a thing but if you're worried about dying all the time you're gonna let your emotion get the best of you and you're gonna do some things that the flesh made you do and not the word make you do Mm -hmm. and so we ought to walk worthy of the calling we have received how do we walk worthy of this calling we have received the bible says it i don't have to uh, you know, make it up. It says it in that same text. I believe it's verse 2 in, in, in Galatians chapter 4. It says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Mm-hmm. To what extent have we risen to those standards? For as Christians, we must uphold those standards, those standards of walking in all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. How are we living up to that, holding up those standards? Loneliness. What does that mean? It means to be modest and not prideful. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Meekness, what does that mean? It means to be humble, a a, a spirit that never takes personal offense. Uh huh. Somebody, listen to this, somebody says something unkind about me. I flared up in a, why? I was not meek. When people say things to you, 
that make you go on the offense quickly and you flare up, you're not being meek. Mm-hmm. 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 And if we're walking in Christ, if we're walking in Christ, then we're supposed to be humble. We're supposed to be meek. Listen to me. The chief priests accused Jesus of many things, but he answered nothing. When he was reviled, when you read that word reviled, it means that he was despised and scorned and detested. When he was reviled, he reviled not back to them. When he suffered, he threatened not. That, ladies and gentlemen, is meekness in action. Meekness in action is when someone does something to you, you don't get flared up and do it right back to them. Meekness, ladies and gentlemen. Long-suffering is to endure with unruffled temper, self-restraint before proceeding to action. So long-suffering and meekness is closely related. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Literally. Forbearance means to put up with somebody. Forbearance means to put up and shut up. And I can say that is legit because Jesus put up with us. (laughs) He put up with us, man. I mean, how he says, how many times shall you forgive your brother? Seventy times seven. That's putting up, baby. And so we have sinned so much against God, and he's still loving us, still with us. It means he's putting up with us. And so if God is putting up with us, then we need to put up with each other. When you start getting tired, here's, here's some revelation for you. When you start getting tired of putting up with somebody, you're going to experience that in your life with God. So it's up to you how, how much you want to put up with people or not. The more you become short with people, the more God is short with you because you got to reap what you sow. So the bottom line is how much are you willing to put up with people is how much Jesus will put up with you. Uh-huh. 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 We are expected to make every conceivable effort with all diligence and zeal to keep the unity of the spirit. This is verse three. Now we're dealing with in uh, Ephesians chapter four. We're down to verse three now. And so we're endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. We must first come to grips with the fact that the church is compromised of imperfect people. After all, if the church were made up of perfect people, there would be no need for a church. had a little feud and things had gotten really bad 
and they split up and stuff like that. And I remember one time the husband called me and gave me a hard time for talking to the wife, showing her the love of God, trying to help her get restored. And I remember he fussing with me and saying, you know, and, and it, later on he told me why. And, you know, he felt like, you know, um, you know, things were wrong and the wife contributed a lot to it. And it seemed like she was getting more favor from people than he was. And he was the one that was kind of. And I remember that. And I remember talking to him and the Holy Ghost prompted me to say something to him. And I said, brother, Jesus said he came not to this world for those who are whole but for those who are sick. I say, brother, don't you feel like you're spiritually doing all right? Yeah. Don't you feel like you're good? You're pretty decent spiritually? Yeah. I said, what do you think about her? Oh, she's a mess. I said, so then, then, then what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? She needs to be healed. She needs to be made whole. And she needs to be ministered to. You're doing well. So who should we pay attention to? He left the 99 and went after the one. What was the 99? Partying in the church, having a good time. Jesus is Lord. He didn't have to worry about the 99. They were doing good. But the one that left, he went after that one to try to bring them back in the fold. <laughs> so, so we got to realize the things of God separate from our feelings, our emotions, and how all that stuff is. There's no perfect people in the church. None. We're all imperfect people trying to strive for perfection. Uh-huh. It's the way it works. If we can accept this truth, that there's no perfect people in the church, it makes maintaining unity a very obtainable goal through the power of the Holy Ghost. Unity in and of itself is a gift to the church. Listen to me carefully. But it's been trusted to the saints and can only be accomplished with love. So let me say it in my words for you so you understand it. Rayon, you, like, you look like you're paying attention. So God says the church is his body. You can't, you can't disassemble your body unless you're killing your body. So God says the church is his body, meaning the body is unified, right? But what we ought to do as people that we got to maintain the, 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 the unity. God designed the body that it is one, unified, working together. That's how God designed the body, the church to be. But we are responsible to maintain that unity that God had set it to function as. So if we decide we want to sever off our hands and no longer be a part of the body, then we disrupt the flow of the unity. But if we will work together, so unity is incumbent upon us, the saints of God, to keep it, to maintain it. God set it in order to say his body must be unified. Now we have to work at maintaining that unity. So all the elders, my grandmom used to say this, the elders that used to talk about, sometimes you have to have your right and give it up. You know what they were saying? To keep the unity. 
know what they were saying. <laughs> but we learned as we came along some different things. What they were saying is, in order to keep the unity, even when you know you're right, don't even go out there trying to prove you're right. Proving you're right can, okay, you're right. But if it messes up the unity of the body, what did you accomplish? So don't always try to prove you're right. Eh, you may be right. But if it's going to upset the apple cart, as they say, if it's, if it's going to cause other people to be upset and cause things to be in flux, do you want to be right that bad? You better think about it because that could mess you up, that you got to prove that you're right. You got to sit on that right for sometimes you got to sit on the right, leave it alone and don't let it burn you. They lucky I'm, you know, we like to say, they lucky I got Jesus. Because if I didn't have Jesus, I'd let them know about that. <laughs> Don't get to that place. Don't get to that place. Just, just get to the place of, I don't care what they think. I just want us to be together. I just want us to be unified as a church, as a body. I don't have time to prove how right I am. Because in time, it will be proven. Uh-huh. In time, it will be proven. Oh, yeah. The church shows love by accepting one another's fault, not by condoning sin, but by praying always with all prayer that those in sin might escape the snare of the devil. Nobody likes to do this. And every time someone comes to me to tell me about what they saw, the first thing I say is, did you go alongside them and talk to them? Every time someone want to complain to me about somebody who did wrong, my first response is always, did you go sit with them? Did you come alongside with them? How did you talk to them in their wrong? And a lot of times, well, they just have a bad attitude, so I ain't got nothing to say to them. That's your excuse. Not an excuse. Here is the two things that you do when you see your brother or sister overtaken by a fault. You either make sure you are spiritual enough to go and sit with them with wisdom from God to help them see they're wrong and want to do right, or you stay far from them and pray and not say nothing to nobody else. Those are two ways that you get your brother and sister restored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all usually don't like that. Yeah, we, 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 like to, we, like, we like to pass off the responsibility, and this is what I like to say. If God let you see it, if he let you see it, it means you're supposed to do something about it, not somebody else. Whoever sees it, do something about it. You go fix it. And depending on your attitude towards it, it will either explode on you or it will get better because you was there. Uh-huh. 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 Unity in the church can only be maintained through the loving efforts of believers who continue to respect one another's differences and bear one another's weaknesses. Unity is everyone's responsibility. Say, that's mine. No church, regardless of its doctrinal 
accuracy can expect the Lord's full blessing unless members promote unity and love one another in the bond of peace. Strife within the body taints the beauty of our Lord's death and makes his word unattractive to the world. Our best contribution to the gospel of Jesus Christ is to maintain the unity of the spirit. We are one body produced by one spirit. We have one hope that we live for, one calling. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We have only one God and his name is Jesus. We need to be unified because our God is one and we need to be one with him. When the Lord Jesus appointed the ministries of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, he appointed it for this reason, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm sorry, Patrice, that was supposed to be Ephesians 4, uh, starting in 12. I'm down at verse 14 now. Key verse 14. That we, henceforth, be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. So listen to me. When you are not one, you are tossed henceforth about, carried away with every wind of doctrine. You're all over the place when you're not unified with the body. And God gave us these different ministries so we can be one, so we can be unified. The church's maturity and function depend on a balanced ministry. The church can function adequately in this world only when it receives instruction and help from each of these ministries. The functionality of the fivefold ministry, the apostles, uh, is, is, is a calling that, that take the gospel to the territories where God leads. Apostles are commissioned by Jesus and empowered with Miraculous grace to accomplish the work of laying the foundation of the church in new territory. Without apostles, the church would not expand and be established in new areas. Prophets are those endowed by God by the ability to give direction and warning to the church. Prophecy is not limited to foretelling the future, but a prophet can be one who foretells God's purpose for his church. A prophet may also speak encouraging words that build faith. God still speaks and through people to give direction, warning, and edification to the church. Evangelists have been gifted with the ability to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with clarity and see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on those in need of salvation. They have a unique quality of ministering to the lost and helping churches develop a mindset for soul winning. The church needs ministries that can help reap a harvest of lost souls. Without this ministry, the church cannot grow. Pastors are shepherds who care for the flock of God. They are called to feed the flock of God with the word. 
uh-huh, through discipling people and teaching the word of God. Pastors are able to protect the church from false doctrine and spiritual danger. They are also called to do the work of an evangelist. God enables people with a pastoral ministry to properly care for the local assembly of a da- on a daily basis. Teachers are those God endows with a special gift of explaining the word of God through their diligent study and apt presentation. They nourish the mind of the people with the Lord in, in what the Lord is saying to the church through the Holy Scriptures. The list of ministries link pastors and teachers closely together, indicating that the same individuals commonly fill both roles, pastor and teacher. The preaching of the word of God should train believers to fulfill their own ministries, to discover their gifting and to receive strength, direction and power to accomplish God's purpose for their lives. As the church continues to be edified by the word, the corporate body begins to grow. Individual believers mature spiritually as they receive teaching and instruction from the ministry, and the corporate body also matures by the proper interaction of individual members. The maturation process finds its culmination, 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 somebody say it for me, in the unity of faith. We cannot enjoy the fullness of this work without proper fellowship within the corporate structure of the church. As each believer comes to know Jesus personally and, 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 and doctrinally, the church reaches a state of maturity where they can function with effectiveness and power on the earth. So all the ministries of Christ are there to edify us so we can come to unity, so we can understand our gifting, so we can be used by God to do great things. And so I close with this. Throughout his life, Pablo Picasso produced an estimated 13,500 paintings and designs 100,000 prints and engravings, 34,000 book illustrations, and 300 sculptors and ceramics. One such painting titled The Dream was completed in 1932 in 1997 at an art auction auction at Christie's in New York City casino magnate Steve Wynn purchased the dream for 47 million dollars less than a decade later Wynn completed a deal to sell the painting for 139 million dollars The transaction would have set a record for the sale of a piece of art. It would have it. It would have if Wynne, who was standing close to the painting, hadn't turned and inadvertently clobbered the Picasso with his elbow, punching a six-inch hole in the middle of the masterpiece. While no one is certain. What that does to the value of the painting itself, the effect on the sale price was immediate, even more quickly than it had come, the record-breaking 139 million sale evaporated. 
He bought it for $47 million. He was going to sell it for $139 million. But because he inadvertently turned and knocked the painting over and put a six-inch hole in it, and Picasso is not living to fix it up for him, guess what? The value evaporated. Why did I tell you that story? Your life is worth more than you can imagine. Your value to God is so much more than you can think. Your inheritance is so much more than you can understand. Don't ruin it and lose out on the incredible blessings God has for you. Consider your walk in Christ and make it count. Complete your walk in Christ. As a blessed and privileged people, we must complete our walk in Christ and not ruin all the blessings that God has in store for us. Will you stand to your feet? A blessed and privileged people. Our walk in Christ. God is good, church. God is wonderful. He's kind and amazing. And if we can start to live out who we are in Christ, man, we will glorify God and our world would come to the place of surrendering and giving themselves to him. If we will live out our purpose in Christ, we will glorify him and we will experience blessings beyond our comprehension because it means that we're becoming mature and he can entrust us with more than what we really have right now. We just got to just live it out. We got to not just be hearers of the word of God, but we got to become doers of the word of God. We got a purpose in our life that we will not allow life to dictate how we live, but to live life on purpose according to the word and the spirit of God. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I think we ought to understand, church, who we are as a people, that we're blessed and privileged. We got to hold our head up high as we go around and go about and not, I don't care how you're living. I don't care what you're in need of. And hear me, don't let people stand in this world. Don't let their stand in this world what they have achieved and what they have. Don't you let that make you feel less than. You're going to meet people in this world that materially, they blow you away. You're going to meet people in this world that educationally, they blow you away. You're going to meet people in this world that their accomplishment of what people are talking about will blow you away. But hear me loud and clear. If they don't have a position in Christ, if they're not walking in Christ, if they don't belong to Christ, guess what? All of that is meaningless. You don't have to be intimidated, and you don't have to feel less than. We let this world tell us we need to feel like we're less than because they got a bigger house than we do. We make them think that, we, oh, because they got more material things uh, that we are less than they are. Let me tell you something. Uh, your position in Christ is so much more than anybody's position uh, in this world who are in high position uh, because it's only in Christ uh, that anything ever counts anyway. 
Don't you feel, don't you let nobody make you feel less than. Hold your head up high. I don't care if you got a nice car or you got a hoopty. Hold your head up high. I don't care if you work at Burger King or you're working at GE. I don't care what you're doing. Hold your head up high because you're a child of God and the joy of the Lord is your strength and you have great value according to God. I'm not letting nobody make me feel less than. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what their accomplishments are. My position in Christ is the greatest thing that exists in me, in you, and in this world. We're blessed and privileged. Don't you hold your head down no more. Don't you make nobody make you feel less than. Because your position in Christ. Your, your walk in Christ, your life in Christ is so much more than everything that's considered valuable in this world. Let's make sure as we dismiss, we keep the Wood family in our prayer. We, we pray for Ethan's career. We pray for the Pegler family. We have a North American missions event in Newark at Refuge Apostolic Church uh, this Saturday morning. We want you to join us there if you can. It's at 11 a.m. Come out and be with us. Let's pray that God's will be done there as well. Let's pray together. Father, in your precious name, we thank you for your word tonight and allowing us to gather together one more time. God, you continue to affirm us. You continue, Lord God, to just open our hearts and minds unto your word, O oh God. You continue to show us, O oh God, who we are in you. And I pray that tonight, Lord God, the word that's spoken into the hearing of every one of us will bring about change, Lord God. Will bring about understanding, O oh God. And that, Lord, we will not just hear the word, but we will begin to do what thus saith the word. Hallelujah. Tonight, Lord God, I pray uh, that, Lord, uh, you will position us in such a way in you that we will know and understand uh, who we are and whose we are. Allow us, Lord God, to live out, uh, oh God, uh, what you're doing in our life, Lord God, uh, that this world can see you in us, Lord God, that we can bring glory and honor to you, Lord God. Will you work your work in us and through us for the glory of God? I pray, Lord Jesus, that our faith will increase, Lord God, and that, Lord Jesus, your will be done, oh my great God. Will you do, oh God, what only you can do in us individually, in us collectively, as a body of believers, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that we will live out who we are as children of the Most High God, that we will live out who we are, Lord God, as our position is in you, Lord God. Have your way tonight, Lord God. We pray for even Korea, Lord God, for great healing to overcome her, and that by your stripes she will be healed. She will be made whole in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for the Pegler family that the peace of the Lord will rest upon them, and that you will direct them in all their ways, Almighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Father, that your will be done in your life, Almighty God. In the name.
name of Jesus. Lord, bless us, O God, in our event, our North American Missions Christmas of Christ kickoff rally in Saturday at Refuge, Lord God. I pray that you show up in a special way and that your power be unleashed in that place and that you'll bind that district even closer together in unity. Bind this church together in unity, Lord God, that we will endeavor to lift up one another, to edify one another, to be a blessing to one another. Have your way, sweet Jesus. We love you, Lord. We honor and praise you and thank you for what you have done here tonight, Lord. We go now in the love and the peace and the joy of the Lord. Have your way, Lord Jesus. We thank and praise you for all these things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord and thank him for his goodness and mercy, kindness and love. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.